Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, we'll talk about why you sometimes see dots over letters in English, like in The New Yorker. And we'll talk about the plural of the word money. A listener named Al recently wrote in about our segment on the word re-enter. Sometimes it's written with a hyphen and sometimes without. But he suggested a third option, using the diaresis, which as an aside, I'd never heard said out loud before and would have pronounced diaresis if I hadn't looked it up, but it's diaresis, three cheers for dictionaries. So the diaresis is a diacritical mark that looks like two little dots above a letter. It sometimes appears in English over the second of two consecutive vowels. If you're familiar with German, you may have mistaken it for an umlaut, since they look the same. But the diaresis's job in English is to show that the second vowel is treated as a second syllable. Think of the long E in Chloe, for example. The second O in cooperate. Or the I in naive. You're probably thinking to yourself, I've seen these words before, and they didn't have any little dots in them. Well, that's because the diaresis, along with most diacritical marks, have fallen out of use in English. Take the word hotel. It came into English from French. It originally meant a mansion, and it originally had a pointy hat over the O. That is an accent circumflex. That accent often appears in French over vowels after which an S used to appear. And hotel used to be hostel, H-O-S-T-E-L. When the S went away over time, the circumflex over the O appeared. When hotel came into English, it sometimes appeared with the accent, but that quickly disappeared. Have you ever seen hotel spelled with an accent? It's rare. Same with resume. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary shows the first reference of this word with an acute accent over both E's. An acute accent is a little dash tilted to the right. However, plenty of people write the word resume without the accent marks, and three of the largest job portals on the web, LinkedIn, Monster, and Indeed, all avoid the accent marks. And that makes sense. Generally speaking, as foreign terms become naturalized into English, their accent marks fade away. That's what happened with hotel and will likely happen with resume. And that leads us back to the diaresis. It had an important function back in the day. In fact, it was used in ancient Greece to separate a vowel at the start of a new word from a vowel at the end of a preceding word. That was important because Greek used to be written without any spaces between words. So that diaresis, which comes from the ancient Greek word for division, was really essential. While we're talking about what words mean, diacritical, from the name of the category that includes all these diacritical marks, such as the diaresis, acute accent, circumflex, and so on, also comes from Greek, where it meant something that separates or distinguishes, which makes sense because all these marks distinguish their letters in some way. The diaresis may have been popular in ancient Greek, but today, in English, it's little loved and hardly ever used except perhaps by our listener and one noteworthy publication, The New Yorker. People regularly make fun of the magazine for this persnickety-style choice. A recent article on the satirical site Clickhole announced that The New Yorker was going to, quote, start putting dots over every letter O and no one can stop them, unquote. 
So why does the New Yorker insist on using the diaresis? Well, their longtime copy editor, Mary Norris, had this to say, quote, Basically, we have three options for these kinds of words. Cooperate, written with just the unmarked letters run together. Cooperate with a hyphen. And cooperate with a diaresis. Back when the magazine was just getting started, someone decided that the first could easily be misread and the second was ridiculous, and adopted the diaresis as the most elegant solution with the broadest application, unquote. Clearly, Al agrees, but will the diaresis ever appear regularly in English again outside of The New Yorker? Probably not, but stranger things have happened. We'd be naive with two dots over the eye to think otherwise. That segment was written by Samantha Enslin, who runs Dragonfly Editorial. You can find her online at dragonflyeditorial.com or on Twitter as dragonflyedit. Michael S. asked, Is it acceptable to say to hold monies for payment in trust? I presume monies is plural, M-O-N-E-Y-S. I've also seen it spelled monies, M-O-N-I-E-S. Does this mean, then, that the singular would be a money? (laughs) Well, it's an interesting question, Michael. The singular word money is always a mass noun, like water or furniture. I need some money. I need some water. I need some furniture. You'd never say a money. But the word does have two acceptable plurals, M-O-N-E-Y-S and M-O-N-I-E-S. The I-E-S spelling always looks like it should be pronounced monies to me because it looks like ponies with an M. And then I think of Billy Idol, but that's just my problem. It doesn't affect what's right or wrong. Garner's Modern English Usage and the AP Style Book both say the E-Y-S spelling is the better spelling. But it's not nearly as clear when you go look at what publications are actually using. In the early 1800s, the IES spelling was most common, but the EYS spelling took over strongly until the mid-1970s. And since then, the IES spelling has become more popular in both books that Google has scanned and in the New York Times. The magazine The Economist also appears to favor the IES spelling. It seems as if dictionaries and style guides are lagging actual usage, and I'm not the only person to notice. The Cambridge Guide to English Usage also notes that, quote, money's EYS is given preference over money's IES in all dictionaries. Yet, general usage in the UK and US is clearly in favor of the IES spelling. The bigger question is since money is already a mass noun, why do we need monies no matter how we spell it? Both Garner and the Cambridge Guide to English Usage explain that monies is usually used by legal or finance writers to talk about individual sums or discrete sums of money. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know that most things don't bother me, but I have to confess that monies annoys me just a little bit. To me, it seems like money would work in every case where I see the word monies. For example, one of the examples in Merriam-Webster reads, most of the project is being paid for by federal monies. To my ear, it would work just as well and mean the same thing to say the project is being paid for with federal money. But finance people tell me it actually does have a slightly different meaning. For example, they use monies to describe funds that are coming from multiple sources. So by saying federal monies, you're showing that it's coming from more than one pot of federal money. 
It's standard in legal and financial writing to use monies to describe discrete sums of money. So monies is here to stay whether you or I like it or not. And maybe it helps to know that it's actually quite old. The first example of monies in the Oxford English Dictionary is from 1384 in the Wycliffe Bible. So to answer Michael's questions, you can spell the plural either way. If you're following a general style guide, they still usually recommend the EYS spelling. But if you're a finance or legal writer, or if you work for someone with a house style guide, you may want to use the IE spelling, M-O-N-I-E-S. Check and see what the convention is for your audience or publication. And even though monies is plural, I can't imagine a sentence in which you'd ever need to talk about a money. But if you can prove me wrong, let me know on Twitter or Facebook. Finally, I have a familect story from Carla. Hello, Mignon. My name is Carla, and I want to share our familect story. I'm a quiller. Quilling is an art form using paper strips to make a design. My four-year-old grandson was watching me quill one day, and he said he wanted to hold my chippers. I didn't know what he was talking about and asked him to point to the chippers on my desk. He reached up and picked up my tweezers, the ones I use to hold my small papers together. Now, whenever I'm using my chippers, I smile and think of my grandson, and I know I'll never call them tweezers again. Thank you for letting me share our family act story, and I love listening to Grammar Girl podcast. Have a good day. Thank you, Carla. If you want to call and leave a voicemail with the story of a word your family and only your family uses, the number is 83321-4GIRL. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find all the Grammar Girl articles at the home of my network, quickanddirtytips.com. Thanks to my producer, Nathan Sems, and that's all. Thanks for listening. Oh,